we are looking to Jesus and we want to keep our eyes on him so that we not be distracted by our own inner struggles and by the struggles in the world around us. That is so easy, so easy for us to do as human beings, to be caught up in the events, the tragedies, the continuing worsening of world conditions and the state of humanity that we can be distracted and not know and understand the full impact that Jesus Christ is victor already. He has already done what he could do for us. And so we don't need to beg him, but we come as ones who are following him and know that he has control of everything. It's like when the disciples were in the boat and the storm was all around. Where was Jesus? He was sleeping in the boat with the crashing in the wind and the boat just jostling. He had full control. He's not sleeping now. He is before the Father. He is risen, victorious, our Savior, and he has accomplished everything for us. It is done, he said on the cross. It is finished. There's nothing more that he can do for us than what he has already done. And so it's for us to appropriate his resurrection life and power. That is what he did when he came into our lives and changed who we are. Do you really have that in your understanding? Well, you don't know me. I'm growly and grumpy in the morning. It's true, I don't know you, but he does. And you have, if you've asked Jesus into your life, you have him as your savior, and he has already provided deliverance from your grumpiness. Those kind of things are just nothing to him because he's accomplished it completely for us. And more than your grumpiness, it is the sin that so easily trips you up that he has already provided the way of deliverance and power and liberty for you. And that's what we proclaim with the confidence that we have understood here in this book of, of Hebrews. And this is just a review again, and we're going to do it a little bit different than we did it last week of review. And we're picking out a theme that runs through this gospel, through this telling of Jesus' acts as we as partakers, and he is also a partaker. He has been a partaker of our humanity. He became 100% man, 100% God. He came as the perfect Adam. The first Adam and Eve failed, and we've been failing ever since. But he came as the second Adam to be born like us, like these little babies that we have with us. Can you imagine Jesus Christ in this form? Can you imagine that? 
It's true. Okay, let's read. Hebrews 2, 14 to 18. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For surely, or assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation. We'll get a definition of that later. For the sins of the people, for since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. And then skipping to Hebrews 3, 1 to 4. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Father, we ask you to bless this word now and may it ring in our hearts for days to come. May your Holy Spirit be able to use your word to continue to reveal the beauty and the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is partaker of our humanity and we are partakers of Christ. We're partakers also of the Holy Spirit. And we are partakers of his holiness. Jesus, partaker of our humanity. Since children share in flesh and blood, the writer says, he himself likewise also partook of the same. This past couple of weeks or so, we've probably all been aware of the Thai soccer kids that were stuck in a cave and were trapped there. And it was incredible. Uh, I mean, at one point when we heard that, we just, what? How could this be? And they couldn't get them out. Everybody understands what I'm talking about, right? It was on the news here in Japan, yeah. And like the divers from around the world who risked their lives, one of them died for those trapped soccer team kids in a flooded Thailand cave, being rescued from a flooded cave. We were somewhat like that. In fact, I even saw an article written by a Christian, and it was a news article, but comparing this to Jesus Christ coming into our dilemma of life and not just risking his life, but laying down his life for us. 
It was the only way out. The world, the parents, the rescuers were trying to figure out how are we going to get those kids out of there. They thought of drilling down through it. Well, as they calculated, that would take months to be able to do that. And the monsoons were coming and the flooding would would increase in the cave. This was our condition as human beings, as humanity. Time was running out for us. And scripture says that at the right time, God sent his son to save us, to rescue us from the dilemma that was going to wipe out humanity forever. And all the purposes of God, his creation of the world, his creation of man and woman would be gone, wasted. Poof, it's finished. But God had committed himself. He so loved the world that he had a plan. And he had a plan for 4,000 years until it actually happened that he sent his only son as a man and who became our savior as a man. Yes, God, but as a man, he came to us, limited to what a man could do. And as the perfect Adam, much better than the first Adam, he was victorious. Jesus was victorious over all temptation and sin. And he became our redeemer, our diver, who came in to lead us out of darkness and death. That is why we worship Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Lord, the one who gave himself for us that we might live forever. That's the message of the gospel. And I can close my laptop now and we can go home. He himself likewise also partook of the same. He took on our flesh. He took on not our sin, but our limited strength, our limited capacity. He took that on and lived a perfect life because that's what the law of Moses required. If you sin according to Moses' law, you will die. And that was true. Adam, the first Adam, proved it true. The minute that they ate of that forbidden fruit, not an apple, ate of that fake fruit, they died. They were separated in their spirit. Oh, they lived, but you know what? Something happened to them and they saw that they were naked and there was something that happened in their spirit, in their hearts. Oh, we're naked. Where are we going to hide? Up until that point, they were in communion with the Holy God. Their physical appearance did not change. 
but inside their soul died. And they had no communion with their creator. That was the condition. And that is the condition of all of us. But Jesus Christ coming as Lord and Savior and giving himself as a man for us on the cross redeemed us and brought us out of Egypt. He brought us out of death, out of the hold of Satan on humanity. That's why we love him. That's why we sing to him, our Redeemer, our Shepherd, that he might free us from those fears of death and of slavery that we had participated in. And how did Jesus do it? As a man, but as the son of man. And he said, before he went to the cross, in the Garden of Gethsemane, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Here is the Son of God committing his will to the will of the Father. He is in the exact same place where many of us are today in that we have been saved, restored, and in relationship with Heavenly Father. And we say, like Jesus now, not my will, but yours be done. He's the one that went ahead and led us out of that cave that we were in and gave us new life so that we could acknowledge that, yes, once this is where we were, and now this is where we are. Followers of Jesus Christ, the one who redeemed us and brought us to the Father. Since the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus Christ shared in our flesh and our blood. And since he was made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, is able to make atonement for sins. And we talked about atonement when we talked about the scapegoat and how the priest Aaron put his hands on the head of the goat and pronounced the sins of Israel for the whole year. And that putting his hands on his head is identifying with that sin. Just like we prayed for Richard and placing our hand on him. It was identification. It was it, it had nothing to do with power coming out of me or vice versa from Richard to me. It had to do with an acknowledgement that we are submitted to the will and power of God to work in his dear wife Masako's life. That's all that is. And you've probably seen it where some television preacher puts his hand and touches a person, they fall down on the ground. You know what? I don't buy that. I really do not buy that. I'm sorry. If it thrilled your heart to see that, wait till you meet Jesus face to face. And I will. And I'll ask him, what was going on there? 
But you know, it's by faith, not by sight or feeling, that we come into relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that counts, according to the gospel that I know. It has to do with our faith in the word and nothing else. The atonement of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for some of you. Did I read that wrong? You didn't correct me there on that. He might taste death for everyone. Everyone. You walk out on the street out here and you walk down to Kichijoji Eki. You'll pass maybe 100, maybe 200 people on your way. Every one of those people Jesus died for. His grace, his death is sufficient for everyone. And that is the shame that we as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't look at people that way. We need to have our eyes and our vision open to understand this about people. It needs to touch our heart so that when we see these people, our heart is touched so that we not just, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah. yeah. No, with boldness and confidence. Are you a Christian? Yes, I am. How did you know? Well, something was different about you. Well, yeah, that's true. But you know, we, we need to understand that we are peculiar people. The Bible calls us that, you know. We're called a peculiar people. Different. We are peculiar. We are different. We are called out like Jesus was. Crowned with glory and honor. Not with the glory that the world counts as glory or honor, but by the grace of God that he might taste death for everyone. Since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Now we're getting a little bit deeper into where most of us live. And that's what bothers us about preachers is they try to get under your skin and try to figure out how they can get you to receive their message. Jesus understands our temptations. And I think I've told you this before. When I was a teenager, I thought, no, Jesus was never tempted like me. But as I've walked and learned, yes, Jesus was. Was Jesus tempted to look at girls? I think he was. He was a man like me. Was Jesus tempted to lie? I believe he was. He went through real temptation. And don't let the enemy or your own thoughts think otherwise. He has submitted himself wholly to being a human being. 
and taking on what tempts me, Jesus went through. Honestly, that is true. And don't think otherwise. Otherwise, you are diminishing your view of Jesus. He has come in to be your Savior. And in order to do that, he had to understand what we are feeling, what we are sensing, what we have experienced in our lives. Yes, it's true. Jesus never sinned. Jesus never gave in to temptation. But that doesn't mean that he's different than me, other than the fact that he walked a holy life. He was counted worthy to die for us. If he had stolen one, I was going to say cookie, but maybe they didn't have cookies. He never did that. He is able to come to those who are tempted. And you know what? When you are at that temptation point and you have this sense, no, where I'm going right now with this is wrong. It's in fact sin. Lord, help me. Right now, I run into you. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. What does that mean? Exactly what it says. That Jesus Christ's name is as a strong tower to us in a time of temptation. Learn how to do that, to be responsive and obedient at that point of contact in your struggle within your own heart and mind. The righteous runs into it and is safe. That's an old, old proverb long, long before Jesus was ever tempted himself. We are partakers of Christ. Receiving Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we are partakers. You know, on the first Sunday of every month, we have communion. And that's demonstrating receiving the life of Jesus Christ. But that there's nothing in that bread and that grape juice that will make us any holier. In fact, if you're harboring sin in your heart, Scripture even says that that also is wrong and dangerous and is sin. And so we need to know and understand that in receiving, partaking of Jesus Christ, we are taking the Word, the Word of God. He is the Word. And we're receiving that to ourselves so that we become like him. That is the gospel. That we are partakers of Jesus Christ. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Encourage one another day after day. So we're going to start Sunday worship every day now for the rest of this summer. This is a cool place to meet. And so we want you to be here tomorrow morning, Monday morning at 11 o'clock. Encourage one another day after day. How many are going to show up? But how many of you are going to talk to one another by email or by telephone or by 
I don't think you'd send a, a stamped letter to anyone, but how many of you are going to probably talk to somebody in this congregation this next week? Most of us will. Encourage one another day by day. Why? Oh, they don't need our help. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they need your encouragement. That's what this word is about. Encourage one another day by day. Be that kind of brother and sister. And not just us who are gathered here, but others who need encouragement. That is partaking of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus would do. Remember WWJD band? There was a, a band years ago that was made WWJD and that was to remind you what would Jesus do? Encourage one another day by day. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. We are partakers of the Holy Spirit for in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. This now is getting down to some questions that I think we need to grapple with. I think we talked about it a little bit. For in the case of those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and then have fallen away, it is impossible to restore them again to repentance. What does that mean? That's scary. I don't like those verses. But you know what? Many of us are living on that edge in our lives. We have received Jesus. He has come into our life. We know that he has forgiven us our sins. But you know what? I, this church stuff bores me. I'm just going to leave. But I've got this conviction inside of me that draws me back, draws me back. What is that? What is that conviction? Do you know what I'm talking about? Come on, be honest. Mel's honest over here. Have you been at that point where ugh, you just feel so bad of just lying to a person, outright flat lie, and you think, I'm not a believer. I'm not a follower of Jesus. And the enemy is putting it to you, saying, yeah, you aren't. You might as well just give up this Jesus stuff. We've been in those places, haven't we? And you know what? If you're at that place of feeling miserable, good chances are you are still in the kingdom. You still are covered by him because the Holy Spirit hasn't flown away like a dove. There's still that conviction. There is still opportunity for you to come and just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me of that lie. Forgive me of what I've done. And you have forgiven me. I receive that forgiveness from you so that I can go on living my Christian life. 
living Christ's life in me so that the enemy doesn't have an opportunity to knock us down. Then that verse 6 will not be applicable to you because you have acknowledged that the Holy Spirit has convicted you. But for those who have just said, nope, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, and Jesus Christ, get out of here. In fact, I just read in the news a couple of weeks ago one person who had been a declared Christian said, Jesus Christ, go to hell. Whoa. I thought, oh, that person, how can they say that? How can they get that position? Having known and then to leave. But if there is still that still small voice and you hear it, you haven't crossed that line of not being renewable. But take that as a warning in your life. Take that as a warning that you need to be careful. You're at the edge. And we need to know how to walk in the direction of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He is in you because you have Jesus Christ in you, because that's what he promised he would send from the Father. And we are partakers of his holiness. And that's what it's all about. We had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? He disciplines us for our good. Why? So that we may partake of his holiness. That has much more meaning than just once a month taking a little cracker and a little bit of juice. No, it means that we are partakers of his holiness. His holiness is in me. His holiness is in you, a believer of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus. That is guaranteed. That is the gospel for you. Walk in that confidence of partaking of his holiness. Jesus in me is life. Jesus in me is walking in his holiness. We are the sons and daughters of the living God. The ultimate goal of Jesus Christ coming into the world and dying and being raised from the dead is that you are walking in the holiness and perfection of Jesus Christ. That is your assurance on the word of God. That's what it means to be a partaker. That's what it means to be part of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for what you have done for us in giving us your Son, sending your Holy Spirit to us, assuring us of our position assuring us of 
our salvation. Lord, keep us from doubting. Keep us from listening to lies and to be able to speak truth to ourselves as well as to one another. We thank you, Jesus, for sharing, partaking of us in our life here on earth and walking without sin. We thank you for giving us, exchanging our lostness for being found in you. We submit ourselves to you. We thank you for this joy that is in us. We thank you for the work that you are doing through your word, by the Holy Spirit, in the life and power of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. And we walk in assurance. We walk with solid understanding of what our position is. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name. Amen.